Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, it is midnight here on the East Coast. Um, the Red Sox just played. They were there. They played in a baseball game tonight at Fenway Park. Um, we all just hopped on the stream and just started laughing. Like that's that's where the season is at right now. Is uh, it's it's laughable how bad they are. Um, congratulations to me for correctly predicting a Toronto Blue Jays sweep. Um. <laughs> Uh, Pat Light and Pete Blackburn are not here, but I, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I truly believe them that they would have been here. Like, I don't know why this game, like there was no rain out. There was no rain delay. Uh, it just took hours, hours to complete this baseball game. And I know that it went into extra innings, but even if it finished in nine, it was still going to be ridiculously long. I just, I don't know. I... You know how hard it is? Like everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you have such an easy job. You just watch baseball and talk about baseball." Do you know how easy uh, how hard it is to have to talk about this fucking team all year? I mean, at least in June it was it was fun, it was entertaining. Like there was some storylines. Right now, we are going to be grinding to the finish line with this fucking team because not only it, there's like Tristan Cassis could have come up what on Tuesday, Tyler? Yeah, the 23rd. And he's still not here. I don't know why. Eric Hosmer is on the injured list. (laughs) On top of it, it's not like Cassis is down at AAA just trying to figure it out. Like he's slashing 324, 439, 529, 968 OPS in AAA this month to 157 weighted runs created plus. That's basically what Rafael Rafael Devers is doing in the big leagues right now. So he's Rafael Devers in AAA. Like if if, say you're Heim Bloom and I ask you point blank, why isn't Tristan Cassis here? What do you think he says? I truthfully take it as they think he needs more time. Like, is that a fair? Could could you say right? He missed you know two plus months this year. Didn't he has like roughly like two hundred fifty plate appearances at AAA? Uh, you know, last year with the Olympics, it was kind of spotty. You want him to be fully developed. Heim Bloom has said that he values AAA. We know what Dave Dombrowski. He was the opposite. Didn't really care for AAA whatsoever. But. I think he looks at it here and they don't think Hosmer is going to be out long. And at the same time, the roster really doesn't fit with Tristan Cassis once he gets healthy. That's kind of the problem here. If you have Bob and Hosmer, it's like someone's going to not play because you don't bring up Tristan Cassis just to sit on the bench. So I, I think where they are right now is it's not a perfect fit for this year. Maybe the last couple of weeks of the season, you get a little bit of a taste of them, but I just don't think they saw it as a super long-term thing and they didn't want to push him. But in my opinion, listen, we watched what Brian Bayo did the other day. It's The reality is a couple weeks ago, at the beginning of August, we were talking about this. The plan for the next 
two months of that time should have been to let these young guys figure it out up here. Let them develop, you know, take your beatings, whatever it is. Instead, you put your feet in the ground. You are completely out of the race on August 26th. You've been out of the race for, you know, longer than that. Let's be real. Really about a week at this point. Uh, maybe going back to the Royal Series. Well, was it worth it? Was any of this worth it? Was it worth staying over the luxury tax? Was it worth keeping J.D. Martinez, who's really not worth a QL right now? Nate Evaldi, who, hey, that went, that went great, did it not? He's, he's out. So you're not going to get those innings you were hoping for. You have wasted assets, young guys that are in kind of an awkward spot when they should be playing, whether you want to talk about Connor Wong, who hit two homers down in AAA today and is absolutely killing it. Zach Kelly down there in the minors, Frank German, whoever you want to name. Instead, we're watching, you know, Jerry's Familia, who, you know, he got through today. He was throwing more balls and strikes. He's fine. He's fine. But what does that do for anybody? Like, oh, it's great. Jerry's Familia. Awesome. I'm watching him for the next, you know, five weeks. What does Mm -hmm. that do for the Red Sox moving forward? Nothing. Nothing. You're completely out of it. And, And that's just the problem. You clung on to something that already felt like it was rotting, really dating back to when Chris Sale went down, and now it's completely rotted. And you have young guys who aren't really doing anything to develop in the big leagues, at least a significant amount. I think Bayo being in the rotation is the first step of that, but it's hard to feel good. There's nothing to watch this team and really get excited about at all. So I... uh... I just now want to take this time as a friend to check in on Jake because um, Jake was there for two of the games out of this three-game sweep. Um, I, I feel like he is not doing well. Jake, how, how are you feeling right now? Uh, not great. Um, yeah, I, so we have like these media passes for we can go to the series if we want to. So I hit up Jared on monday and i was like can you get me the three games against toronto he was like sure i was like you know maybe maybe we turn this around this week let's get a sweep like i predicted and you know get a little <laughs> momentum going and we were up one nothing and on tuesday night i'm like all right here we go maybe maybe we got something here and then just a quick eight in the top of the third <laughs> um, it happens yeah it does and then uh yeah, I went for some reason. I went again on Wednesday night, lost again. Um, and then tonight I was like, fuck it, I'm not going. And thank God I didn't go because I would be getting back probably in like 20 minutes. Just even more mad than I am right now. So yeah, I've been, I've been better. Is there a lot of season left, Jake? Not much. <laughs> not much. There's just not much season left at this point. Uh, it was a tough it was tough to watch that series. I mean, that first game, I think my first thought, I mean, I, I that's when I tweeted out that uh the Red Sox had been demoted from the big TV. I was like I'm not cuz I think it was like uh Tuesday was the final game of the Mets Yankees series and I was like there's just more interesting baseball on. Like I'll I'll keep it on. Someone tried to call my 162 guy in uh status into question just because I moved it from the big TV. I was like, "No, like it's still on a TV. Like I'm still watching it." Uh but I just don't want to hear like I'll, hand up. I'll tell you right now and it's nothing against like Dave O'Brien, it's nothing against Kevin Millar. I love Kevin Millar. All three of these Toronto Blue Jays, well the first one, the first one I moved it off the big TV. The second two, they were back on the big TV just by default. Uh, I was playing mu- like I was playing music. The guy, the game was on. I was watching. 
but like I didn't I didn't want to hear about the game. Like I'm like visually I'll I will look at it. Uh I think in the in the I think it was the bottom of the ninth, I I muted my Spotify. I was like, all right, if they're gonna walk this off, like I want to hear what that call sounds like. I mean, first of all, the eighth inning, we can start with the eighth inning. A leadoff triple from fucking Reese McGuire. Shout out to him. You, and on the night yeah, that Jake Diekman shits the bed and the Orioles walk off against him. Yeah. Jake Diekman, you blow. Maguire, yeah. he's slugged since he's hitting here. He's in like 378 since he got to yeah. the Red Sox. Three hits tonight for Reese McGuire. A leadoff triple in the eighth inning. And the Red Sox cannot even put the ball in the air. Never mind, like, bring a run home. They couldn't even, like, threaten to bring the run home in the eighth inning in a 5-5 ball game. And I, I, I also want to point out that I, I can't remember if it was this show or baseball is dead. Uh, I said Kevin Gosman was going to go eight and two thirds and have like 115 pitches. He was going to be on a short leash in the ninth and then walk a guy. And then they would have to go to Romano for like the last out. They got to Kevin Gosman. They, they scored four runs against Kevin Gosman. Anytime that that happens, like the Red Sox, first of all, the Red Sox suck against the Blue Jays in general, but Kevin Gosman is their biological father. And I understand, you know, he's not been the, the, the best of the best in the second half of the season. He's still a really good fucking pitcher. And the Red Sox were able to score four runs against Kevin Gosman. And you had a tie game in the eighth inning. Leadoff triple did not score a run. Then in the, in the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth, you had bases loaded, nobody out, and did not score a fucking run. It was insane. And I, this whole time, I mean, I, I think I tweeted it maybe, I think it was the, the middle game because. They got blown out on Tuesday. So on Wednesday, when it was, I think, 2-2 at the time, I was like, let's just, it's not going to rain and it's not raining, but just call for the tarp. Just see what happens. Like, just maybe we can sneak out of here with the tie. Because even even with a tie, I was like, that feels like a win. And then when they scored two runs against Gosman, I was like, that feels like a win. That's where we're at with this baseball season. It's just scoring two runs against a pitcher that owns your ass feels like a win. And then they scored four. And I was like, holy shit. Four runs against Kevin Gosman. You got to be shitting me. And then you have the eighth inning blunder. Then you have the bottom of the ninth blunder. And I mean, some of these at bats, it was fucking useless. Like drop a fucking bunt down. Do something. Anything. That's the biggest problem. And like we talked about this so much at the beginning of the year, we hammered it. The chase rate was horrendous in that first month of the year. Expand, expand, expand. Kevin Gosman was responsible for a couple of those horrendous performances against the Red Sox or where the Red Sox bats were horrendous and just couldn't do anything. I hate to do this, but six since 628, really, once everything went downhill, the Red Sox has swung at 33.9% of pitches outside the strike zone. That's the seventh highest chase rate in all of baseball. And that They're was the problem in April. 11- Exactly. And their swing and miss rate, 11.8% is also the seventh highest in the majors over that stretch. So when you're sitting there and you're watching guys, you just got to make contact. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just get the bat on the ball. It's the base is loaded, man. No outs. Just make contact. Just lift the ball. Just put it in play. Just put it. Obviously, Kike Hernandez put it in play and it didn't go well. But, you know, that's a double play. Before that, UK... You just got to put the ball in play and they simply can't do that. And it's heartbreaking because you get J.D. Martinez, who gives you a big hit in the ninth. Finally, middle of the order. Bogarts. Boom. You know what I mean? They walk Arroyo, who's been the hottest hitter on the team. And that's just where you end up. And it's frustrating. Alex Cora went off 
in the post game once again talking about he's just like you can't keep expanding the zone and I think even he felt a little bad he's like listen I was a 230 hitter in the big leagues like he was being real about it but he's like we've just been doing this for months and there's really no other way to go about it and what can I say we just have to be better and when you hear Alex Cora just saying like it is what it is like we're just going to keep trying like that's the situation it, it's August 26 it's not getting better just like the power is not coming, the approach isn't getting better. And that's where this team lies. And the old Red Sox teams we think back to, you know, that really dominated 2018, 2013. What made them so special was they killed pitchers. They murdered them. Sat there. You had to work every single at bat against them. This Red Sox team, you got multiple guys who strike out on three or four pitches routinely. And that's just not good baseball in can you blame some of that on talent? Sure. I think some of that falls on the hitting coach as well. Um, it just there, there hasn't been a great approach there for multiple years now. And something has to change in that area because they let pitchers off the hook constantly. Uh, it happened plenty of times in this series alone, but it's really been one of the main themes of the year. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And, and I think, I think in the bottom of the eighth, that squander didn't have me feeling like, all right, this game is fucked. After they didn't score a run with bases loaded, nobody out in the bottom of the ninth. I was like, all right, like I have to watch this game because we have to talk about it after, but I already know how this ends. Like we're just, we're walking into another extra innings loss. Like that's, that's how it felt. Like there's no way. Cause especially like when was the last time that the, the Blue Jays had scored a run? Like how, how many times can you put up a goose egg against the fucking Toronto Blue Jays lineup? Danny Jansen off Strom. So they scored in the sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So you had, you had at that point going into the 10th, you were hoping for a fourth consecutive scoreless inning against the Toronto Blue Jays, which just was never going to happen. So it was a matter of like, all right, uh, they're going to get one here. But then going into the bottom of the 10th, uh, you were looking at, uh, where is it? All my, uh, Dahlbeck, Duran, Pulecki. I love those guys, but is that who you want to see, uh, down a run in the bottom of the 10th against the Blue Jays closer? No, no. I don't think that's who you want to see. Um, so yeah, it was like, I keep going back and forth on it because obviously I, I said I said a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was yeah, it was the last episode. Uh, I said the season died in Williamsport when they lost that game to the Orioles, and they had the chance to win the series, and it would have been their technically fourth consecutive series victory. It's like all right, I mean, no one here is saying all right, now we go and we're going to the playoffs, and but it's like all right, there's still a heartbeat, there's still a pulse. When they lost that game, I was like, all right, that, that's kind of, that's curtains for this team. So from that point forward, my thought process was, this team can't hurt me anymore. Like I, I'm watching the games and it's, it's, it sucks because it's not like 2014 when they were in last place and you were calling up Mookie and yeah, Jackie and Xander was, you know, at fucking third base and you, you could see the future. I don't see the future right now. I don't. And, I, and I'm not trying to like be all doom and gloom and, and give people this sense of hopelessness. Uh, but I don't. I don't see the vision. I don't know where this team is going. I don't have optimism 
For what the fuck was that, Tyler? Uh, my dog is uh, barking at someone downstairs, so I took uh, one of my laundry things and just threw it at the wall because if Got she it. hears a sound, it usually lets her know I know what she's barking right. at. Right. Got Sorry. Uh, my apologies for interrupting. No, you. hey. Hey, I mean, throw shit all you want. That's that's where we're at right now in this Red Sox season. Felt pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at is they can't hurt me anymore. And then the bottom of the ninth happened. And I felt a little something. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret, Tyler. I drafted up the gold bottles tweet tonight. And Ugh. usually, like, I, like my, rule, my rule is they have to at least have a winning record to go all caps. I was feeling I, it was going to be an all caps gold bottle suite tonight. If they walked it off, walk offs have to be all caps. They have to be. That's all we have. That's all we have yeah. at this point. Let's keep it real. Yeah. Like, great. We'd be celebrating taking one from the Blue Jays. That's where the Boston Red Sox are right now. <laughs> like, you can't really say much more beyond that. And when you watch something, Alex Spear had it and posted it on Twitter today. Before tonight, the last time a Red Sox hitter hit into a bases loaded, one out, inning ending double play in the ninth inning or later of a tie game was April 16th, 2010. Adrian Beltre versus the Rays. Mm. I was fucking 12. It's a long time ago. Like, that's what you saw tonight. That kind of just failure, collapse, inability to come through. And let's be real. This is just who the Red Sox are. That's how rare that kind of moment was for them. And if you want to sit there and, you know, you play through your head. We've talked about Xander Bogarts this year and how he hasn't had the same clutch ability. It's the entire fucking team, man. In high leverage spots this year, they have a 661 OPS. 661 with a 295 OBP. You're not hitting anything. You're not walking anything. You're not doing anything. Well, think about it this way. Think about it this way with that 661 OPS, right? In the first, call it two months of the season, you were getting nothing from anybody except for JD, Xander, and Devers. And now, you're not getting anything from really anybody uh, except, except for like Christian Royal. <laughs> like Christian Royal is like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, I'm auditioning for shortstop next year because I don't know how that's going to go. Like he's, he's locked in. Verdugo is locked in for a second. Um, I mean, Outside of that, who, when they come to the plate, do you feel like, say, say, take, take your brain to the bottom of the ninth, right? Bases loaded, tie game. Who do you want at the plate there that you're like, this, fu- like, you guys are fucked because so and so is there? Like, Rafi's the answer, but he hasn't been the same guy for weeks. Ever he- since he got hurt and came back, he hasn't been the same guy. And that's not a knock on him. I mean, he, he's probably still playing through it right now. Like, I, I don't think he's 100% healthy. And you can see that when he runs up the line. Uh, I think he's, he's played great defense and he doesn't get enough credit for that. And I think that it saved them in a lot of ways, how, how he's played. Like, there was one play where he like, was going up the line. He was almost like uh, where the tarp was on the opposite side of the field. And he made a nice one hopper to, to first base. It was an excellent play. But, I mean, that's the stuff that doesn't get noticed when your team's in last place especially when when he's not hitting like no one's just paying attention to his game right now i think you know for for a guy that can't contribute at the plate and that's his his main way to contribute he is he's just in a fucking tough spot so yeah i don't know i i i still gonna watch 162 you know like but goddamn if i don't i don't feel like just empty and it's like the worst part like i said is that 
of course, all of us are sitting there that are 162 guys and girls. Shout out to the 162 girls on the Section 10 Reddit that that chimed in from last week's conversation. They they want to make their thoughts about that conversation known. Um, they loved it. They were, they were big into that conversation. Um, but if you're a 162 guy or a 162 girl, being in last place sucks. Having to watch every single game sucks. It sucks exponentially more when there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, a few weeks ago, we were talking about this team and they're like, wait, so they better get in this year because they're going to be even worse next year. When we talk about all the free agents and the players that might be leaving, those are the best players. Xander Bogarts, JD Martinez, Nathan Valdi. Like, those are your best players. So you already have those guys <laughs> and you're this bad. Like what are the what the fuck are they going to look like next year? That's why it's so depressing to me is because I want to at least be like, all right, I can wear this season on the chin, but I can see the path of like, you know, you sign this guy, you maybe trade for that guy, you got this guy coming up. I just I don't I don't see it right now. Yeah, there's nothing to see and really it's just this slow like suffocation of watching Xander Bogarts and really this core that brought you a championship in 2018 and has really been, you know, what we followed for the last four or five ish years. Now, you know, you watch them playing in baseball that really doesn't matter. And I think you see it on guys face Xander Bogarts. Like, you know, this is no, I know I was hard on him for getting ejected and everything. And I'm not saying, you know, he was hurt. He didn't play the second game. You could see in the dugout, just not having to play. He was all smiles. He looked like just a relief not to have to play in these games right now where you're trying to scrape across anything possible you could get. It's just there's such like a heavy, depressing blanket on everything here where you feel like no matter what, something's going to go wrong. Somebody's going to implode. Somebody's going to get hurt. You can't even go on Twitter without some kind of awful injury update right now. It's just like... Today, or an off day, you know what I mean? Off days, injuries pop up. Something happens with Nate Evaldi on the IL. Today, you're just sitting around. James Paxton, like, <laughs> he, he tears his lat. You're like, all right, well, there that goes. You know what I mean? It's just... Wasn't it two pitches in? Two, two batters. Two batters. Two, two batters, and it was just it for him. You know what I mean? And you just sit here. It's what is there to feel good about? And that's why, like, what Brian Bayo did on uh, Wednesday, it, that was the most fun I've had in weeks and just watching a young player and being like, okay, like if he can keep doing this and they just let him start every five days down the stretch, he should be in the rotation next year. That's one solution you know, you're, you're figuring out one thing right now. And just to have some kind of clarity, especially of a top prospect, it's like, that's something it's just, that's what these two months should have been. It shouldn't have been masquerading, thinking you were going to compete in the playoffs because that's fraudulent. It's August 26 and you're out of it. Have injuries played a part? 100%. But you fell through the floor. And it's not just injuries. It's guys underperforming. It's a team that's really sulked since the trade deadline in a lot of ways. It's just, it's not, it's just bad. The, the, doesn't, the team doesn't feel good because of what's lingering out there. They're not playing good. They're not talented enough as is. It's just every possible, you know, avenue you kind of look at it. And they're injured. You know, plenty of guys are injured. There's just not much going to, you know, nothing's really going to change anything significant here. It's great to see Trevor Story doing what he did in double A today. Uh, you know, what did he in, do? Yeah, uh, he three for four with the oh. home run. Oh, big day. You know, like you're seeing him. He's doing Trevor Story things. He's going to get it reevaluated tomorrow. They're not going to activate him yet, but he's close. Like 
that's the stuff you kind of look forward to and you say, all right, I can look forward to Trevor Story because he's going to be on the team that, you know, moving forward. Hopefully he finishes the year on a strong note. It's just I watch Xander right now. I just get sad. You know, JD, I get sad. And yeah, it's one thing if you're competing down the stretch and you're like, all right, like, you know, we're, we're really coming together. Instead, it's just a bunch of people on a plane to nowhere. And, yeah. you know, we got what, 37 more games to go here. Something like that. Going to be a lot of long nights. A lot of long nights. I actually I but I'd a really re- funny tweet. It was the first time that I think I laughed outside of the, like I genuinely laughed instead, instead of like a pain laugh. Um, this dude tweeted me and said, I'm not even the one who pays for my MLB TV subscription and I want to cancel it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that, like, just uh, like even, you know, we talk about the clutch inning tonight, last night as well. You know what I mean? You had a bases loaded opportunity in what, the eighth inning? That you failed to come through there. It's just like it's carrying on from day to day. And like we got Franchi Cordero back up, which, hey, shout out to him. He gave you the two runs. He had a home run, you know, his second in three games yesterday. When you feel like you escape one of the things that depressed you and made baseball suck this year, and now he's right back instead of the guy you look forward to all year in Tristan Cassis, mm-hmm. it's just a kick in the dick. It's a kick in the dick. It's a kick in the dick. Red Sox get swept. Uh, it's not even like they made you believe again. It's, it's just, it's the whole scope of things. It's back to back extra innings losses. It's like, hey, we're at home. We could walk this off. It's not about the playoffs anymore. It's about, hey, can you make me feel something other than pain? Make like a me- walk off win is a walk off win. That shit's exciting. I would be happy to see a walk off win. It's not a matter of like, all right, maybe this is the one. Like, that's not where the discussion goes. Is this the win that gets them going again? No, no. But like, do I want to see the Red Sox walk off? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool. It'd be a nice little change of pace from all the misery. <laughs> like, but that's it. It's just give me a reason to feel good moving forward. That there's something there amongst a certain group of players that you can bank on and be like, all right, you know, there's hope for 2023 and beyond. There's just, there's none of that. You know what I mean? And, I don't know. I I hope that the tune changes. Like, obviously, Heim Bloom and them, they're still saying, yes, the Red Sox are trying to compete. They're in it. Come on. Like, we're not stupid. None of us are stupid here. Just bend the knee. Bend the knee and start getting the guys up here that you need to prepare for the upcoming <laughs> seasons. Because if Maybe. you sit if no, you ahead. sit here and you try to do this thing and, you, you know, we're watching. I like J.D. Martinez. Don't get me wrong. There's not much reason for him to get at bats down the stretch. Like if you need to get guys in the lineup, you need to get guys in the lineup to play. These are the issues you ran into with the moves you made at the deadline. I don't care. Just do what's best for the team moving forward. Don't give me this product of meaningless baseball. Yeah, but you know what comes into play there is Alex Cora. Yep. He's loyal to his guys. JD won him a championship. And I... This is not inside information. We've never talked about this, but I'd like to think that Alex is not happy with the the roster that he was handed going into this season, and he's going to be like, "Listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna make us go down, then I'm going down with my guys. Like JD's my guy, so like I think he's going to go down with the ship, and it is what it is. Uh, I." It, it, it's just not. It's not going to be fun baseball. Like, is what, what percentage of the the season is against AL East teams from here on out? It's high. It's like 
70-ish percent. It was 70% going into the series. Yeah. Pretty good. But not as good as a blue moon. Because <laughs> baseball and beer go hand in hand and blue moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of colors, iconic orange slice ritual and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, blue moon was born in a ballpark first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. For, from first pitch to extra innings, the blue moon guarantees a one of a kind beer experience every time. And I'll be having an abundance of blue moons this weekend because I have to go to Fenway every fucking day. I got to go. Sorry. Yeah, I got to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's a uh, DraftKings fantasy baseball. Is it like it's the finals, Jake, on Sunday? Yeah, I think the finals. Yeah, so I'll be there on Sunday for that. Friday, I mean, I'm just a 162 guy. I don't care what the record is. I'll be there every Friday. I'm there in the Red Sox dugout and I, I can't abandon my guys. So I'll be there. But after that game, Blue Moons are getting drank. Um, from its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian White is, made, is, is one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is a one of a kind beer. Every time, get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden Colorado Ale. Um, on a, on a lighter note, cause it sounds super depressing in here. Uh, the beyond Fenway episodes that I've been shooting with Nesson. I, I got to see the trailer today. I watched the, the first episode is going to be, uh, the first pitch. They like followed me around. They documented the whole thing. It's like, I go back to my, uh, my old high school baseball field and like I interviewed my high school baseball coach and then he was at the game when I threw the pitch and it's like me mic'd up and apparently apparently I said the fuck word they had to they had to uh after I threw the pitch I, I don't remember what I said I was like I think I said like right down the fucking plate or something like that I won't uh, lie that fist pump is up there with some of my favorite you know reliever coming off the mile moments I felt like you had your own little moment there it was I cool. did I did have that moment so that one is like Matt Barnes is in it, uh, Duran's in it, Bob's in it, Arroyo's in it, uh, Sam Kennedy's in it, <clears throat> Michael Malley's in it. Um, and then I, th- I don't know what order they're going in after that, but um, the episode that I did with Kevin Millar is in there. The episode that I did with Middlebrooks when we got the tattoos is in there. And I think if all goes according to plan, I'm going to do s- other episodes with... Um, Arroyo and uh, Poecki. And then we're going to try and maybe do something with Hosmer and like Trevor Story. Like we might go like sneaker shopping with like Trevor Story or something. Like when he, get, when he gets back. Oh. So we'll see. Ooh. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But I need it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think they, they did a really good job on it. Mike Eamond uh, at Nesson did a really good job cutting those up. I'm really excited for those to come out. Um, so yeah, that'll be like some on-demand content on the uh, the Nesson app. So there's that. Other than that, though, <laughs> there's not a lot of happy shit going on. Jake, do you have anything happy you want to talk about? Um, no, not at all. <laughs> 
Like you, you didn't, uh, you didn't like get a new puppy or like anything like that. I couldn't bring a puppy into this world right now with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, it's it's not easy out here right now for Red Sox fans. I will say though, um, watching the game on TV tonight, the number of Red Sox fans that were just on their feet when um, Sal Mora was out there and it was like two outs, two strikes, like fans were up and into it. Like there's there's nothing to play for here, but they they wanted to see their favorite baseball team win a baseball game. So I have nothing but respect for the fans that were there tonight. Uh, I, I don't know how I don't. I just I'm so defeated. I I don't have an ounce of positive energy in me. I think my defense mechanism to the depression that this team makes me feel is to just laugh at it and and try and keep it moving. But then it's like, you know. Uh, it's almost like the the closer mentality. Like you watch the game as a fan and then they lose in horrible fashion and it must feel like a blown save. And you just, you wake up the next day and you start over and like an asshole, you sit down at 710 to watch the next one and then they lose that one. It's like, damn, like the only thing, what's worse is you have no control over it. Like I, I'm not playing in these games. There's nothing I can do to help this team win. I just sit there, watch the Red Sox and then they lose. They rinse and repeat every every single day, and then you know you go, you go into work like I do, and every single person that sees you says, "Oh, how's your baseball team?" You know how my fucking baseball team is. Why are you fucking asking me? Everybody, I, I, I'm so that's like a that's like a line that's existed over there for oh, a long time. Like you want nice baseball team you got there. Fuck how's off. your baseball team? What do you think? They're killing yeah. me. I'm dead inside. Do you see yeah. my tweets? Like what else? What do you was need your to worst see? tweet tonight? Let me uh. I've been Let me scared. Look into your Twitter timeline. I've been scared to threaten my life on Twitter since I did get suspended. I don't go as far. People will tweet those things at me, and I'll often like the tweets. So you know, someone will be like, "Uh, you know, I'm oh, gonna." Oh, Tyler, what did I do? You relapsed. What? Your literal last fucking tweet has hashtag Blue Jays and hashtag Rays in it. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Shut I'm the fuck up. Dude, don't do this God. to me. I swear to God, you're a junkie, dude. Do not do this to me right now. You're fucking you lying to my face. Jake, Look it. Jake, do you see this? Look it. Hold on. Look it. You're fucking lying. I swear to God, you didn't hashtag all day. All day. Your last fucking tweet before the podcast no had way. hashtags in it. I swear to God. Look I, at it. I'm so scared to look. Look at it. Oh my God, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have a broken brain. I don't know what's wrong with me. You have a broken brain. You didn't hashtag all day. I haven't hashtagged since the last accidental <laughs> slip up, which you were, which you did catch on to immediately. Thank you for. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I don't even think about it. Like I, I legit don't even realize when I'm doing it. Sometimes I've deleted. So there's been tweets. I bet some people have seen them who have my notifications on that have slipped out and immediately like I sit there and I'll, it'll click after I post it. But when I'm typing like Jared, you'll get this like you get so used to tweeting so much throughout. You don't even really like it's like muscle memory almost uh, in. Wow. I am yeah. ashamed, right? I can't believe you wow. have a problem. I'm shitting on the Red Sox and I'm really just as garbage. You, you were doing so good. And then your, your last tweet, you hashtagged. 
I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. I really don't know. What is this? Uh, is this Tom? What is this? What is this clip? Tom. I got the. Yeah. What clip are you looking at here? On my Twitter? No. Why am I not connect? Oh, I didn't connect to the, the Wi-Fi. Well, let me do that real quick. Or the Bluetooth. Um, oh, no. You're about to see the. Oh, I know what clip you're talking about. What is it? This is You've a dark moment. This? Yeah, play, you'll you'll see. You'll play it. It's not good. That's one of my lowest <laughs> points. He had surgery, uh, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. No, he who, did it. Who did? Per the Red Sox. Oh, who no. did? Get Chris out of here. Sale. <laughs> is that you? Yeah, well, that's me dead <laughs> in the background. That 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 was obviously the day Sale fell off his, you know, quote unquote, fell off his bike or whatever. Uh, I had nothing left in me. It, mm. As I have said, I, my, the season died for me when Chris Sale went down. I, I thought that was really, that's when the switch flipped in my head and I was just like, this ain't their year. Um, there's been multiple moments like that. Of like, course. There's been an, an abundance of moments where it's like, hey, oh, you're getting back up? Well, I just kicked you in the dick yeah. again. It, like When that happened, I, I still look back between the story and the Strom stuff. Like, oh, that, Just those those you know, 10 days before the uh, all-star break. Those are some of the worst moments. Now this is just like a dull pain. It was sharp then because you know, you had hope. Um, but yeah, that I just, that's how I feel that dead lifeless Tyler Milliken you see right there. That's how mm-hmm. I feel watching a lot of these games. And that's why those fans you mentioned who are standing up, I give them credit because if I was a Fenway, I could not manage to stand. I can't, I don't yeah. have it in me. I don't want to like pass judgment on these people, but don't you feel like those are the people that probably bought tickets in like March and that was like their first game? Like they're oh. they, like everyone goes to Fenway like once a year and it's like exactly ah, they suck. Like, but I mean, we had we've had the tickets and we might as well go. It's like a family outing. And that's it. Just you know, and, you know, woo, you know, baseball, Red Sox. Like anything can happen. No, not anything can happen with any of this team. They'll find yeah. the worst fucking way to hurt you. Uh, yeah. And they'll make you sit there and think about why you even like baseball in the first place. Like I, I hate baseball. I despise it. It sucks. But like I, I'm at this point, once we get to the offseason, I hope I heal. I hope it takes time. It always happens. But I haven't been this displeased and depressed about a team since 2012. Um, just with how it's all come together. You know what I mean? 2014, I... You were coming off a World Series. I think it was a little bit different. Um, obviously, there were pieces of that time with John Lester being moved out and all that. But you had made moves to get, you know, legit pieces to move forward with. That's what I wanted them to do with the trade deadline. And they didn't do that. So, like, at this point, I sit and there's like three things that make me happy. It's Matt Barnes, Christian Arroyo, Alex Verdugo, and I'll throw Brian Bayo as part of that conversation now. It's the only time you'll see a slight smile on my face and maybe Reese McGuire. Did you did you have any sort of visceral reaction to seeing the lineup card on Wednesday? No. Okay. So that kind of pissed me off. Uh, can I be honest with you? The people I who said were the like, same thing. You were right, and I legit retweeted you. Um, listen, you can make jokes. Bobby Double get short stop. Laugh all you fucking want. Like, sure. Um, it, it's bad. They were at, like Bobby fucking plays <laughs> first base. He can play second base. He can play third base. Like people were acting like they had fucking Kevin Poecki at shortstop yeah, or something like listen, that. Listen, well, it's just like the same people during the MLB draft who are like, "Why are the Red Sox drafting?" You know, all these shortstops. Well, hey, the most athletic guy in high school who's usually the best player plays shortstop. Bobby Delbeck. 
Yeah, or center field, exactly. Bobby Delbeck, who, when he was drafted, he was playing shortstop in high school. Moved to third base, obviously, eventually to first. Um, that's what happens to bigger body guys. Will Middlebrooks is another one. Um, cutter Coffee, who they drafted this year, if you, you want to go that route. We drafted another Cutter? Yeah, there is another Cutter in the Red Sox organization now. How many fucking Cutters are there in the world? There can't, they, they, we must have both. Yeah, I believe he spells it with a C off the top of my head. Um, so, you know. I looked it up the other day because I was curious. I was like, Cutter has to be like a nickname, like Chipper. Chipper Jones, but his name's Larry. I was like, Cutter has to be something like that. His Real name is Cutter. Pretty badass. Yeah. Cutter um, Crawford. He throws a Did nice you see cutter. him in the dugout after that game tonight? Okay. I wanted he to like bring... He looked like he was crying. I was like, this is a pretty good... I mean, like, for, for the Blue Jays lineup, only giving up four in whatever it was. Like, what was it? Four and two-thirds, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. It wasn't like a stellar outing. Like, he didn't dominate, but like... I'll take Cutter Crawford giving you almost five innings and holding the Blue Jays to four runs. The bar right now is so fucking low that... I mean, like, I get that he gave up nine before. And it's like, he, he probably, at one point, he was slicing and dicing. Like, he was looking nice. Uh, like, his peak was, like, that game in Seattle, like, he was he was nice. Like, Cutter Crawford was a guy. And then his last time out, he gives up nine earned runs. And now your ERA is over five. And you probably, all that hard work, like, there's no coming back from that with all the, the, the minimum games that are remaining in the season. And then he gives up four more. It's like, don't. Think of it that way. Think of it as like, hey, this lineup fucking absolutely mashes baseballs and I didn't get embarrassed out there. No, you, That's you, a win. You gave them a chance at winning. You're not Josh Winkowski out there who gave up, you know, two outs in the friggin' third inning and you give up six runs. And then Austin Davis comes in and attempts to pitch. Like, you're not that bad. You're not useless. Um, but, you know, he struggled really since KC. He had that nice start against the Yankees. But, you know, it's been up and down. Listen. He's a young starting pitcher. Like, this is the stuff you're going to go through. It, it is what it is. Um, but I looked at that and I see him with his face in the towel, just like down. Yeah, is that, that how different is that than the Josh Winkowski stuff? Right? Like, and did I'm he not, leave runners on? Uh, Cutter? Yeah. Yeah. Strom came in to bail him out. So I would have to go back and watch it. it like, I, it stood out to me that he had like his head in the towel, but like, I don't know if you have like you have your moment to sulk. But then I want to say like the game wasn't going on at the time, so maybe like you can sit down on the bench and have your moment of like fuck my life, but then get your ass up. Yeah, and I don't know that he didn't do that. Yeah, and listen, Cutter. From what I've seen, I'm not saying Winkowski isn't friends with a lot of guys on the team. Cutter is seemingly friends with a lot of guys, especially Chris Sale and stuff. You know, we've seen that I've was never big... seen Winkowski speak to another player. In the <laughs> I haven't either. Like it, that is weird, but it's true. Like we know Cutter was at FGC or, you know, working during spring training with uh, Sale, um, doing the workouts and throwing with Matt Barnes and Christian Vasquez was down there at that time. Um, I don't know. It, it just. I'm not going to tell you it's a leadership problem. I think this is just what happens when you have a lot of young guys. It's a not a good team. You know, you're a bad baseball team and your leadership core seems dysfunctional, not because they don't want to work together, but just because they don't know what's about to happen to them. And they're all kind of stuck. But at the same time, I'm reading that Brian Bayo has made strides because he's been working with Nate Evaldi. So, like, I don't know. It, it's just everything's bad right now. And when you have young ball players who haven't been in that position before, that's the stuff you're going to get. It's just the reality of the situation. Um, but yeah, not good. Not good for cutter. Am I panicking? Am I worried? I, no, he was bound to the league was going to make an adjustment. He was carving for, you know, 
couple months at a time. The Astros he went through, and we saw the Yankees multiple times. It was bound to catch up to him somewhere. You just the good part of where the Red Sox are right now, just let them keep starting, just all the way through the end of the year. Not that they have much of a choice. Let hopefully he can show he can stick somewhere, and if not, if it's a bullpen roll, it's a bullpen roll. But that needs to be your focus. Just let these guys go out and pitch. Just please. And hope that you have some answers moving forward because there's so many question marks right now. There's so I've many. never wanted to nuke a team more than this one. <laughs> I, like 2012 at least had some pieces that carried over immediately to a championship. Like I, I don't I don't feel that way about this group. Because I mean it's not to say that there aren't good players here, but it's it's a lot of good players at the end of the road where um you know, like you're not, I'm talking in terms of core. Like, is there a championship core here or at least pieces of a championship core? Uh, that's tough. I, I'd really say the only definite you have in that group is Rafael Devers. And, yeah. you know, you don't know what's going to happen. With Xander. One year left. And that's it. It's like you got one year of Rafi and that's where it comes down to. It's like. You didn't lay the pavement for any of the next couple of years. You got the farm system, which is, you know, number 11 per Baseball America in their midseason rankings. Um, you don't have a lot of talent in the upper minors either. You know, you have Tristan Cassis, of course, but, you know, you go down. It, a lot of your better prospects are in the lower minors. It's just you have so much work to do, man. You got so yeah. much work to do. And you chose to kick the can down the road at the deadline. And. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. It'd be nice if you had, you know, um, Sean Murphy's the example we keep using. But you, you know, keep using. You fucking love Sean Murphy. I, do. I don't know I what love the Sean fuck. Because I, I love a stud. Ca- I, do you like Adley Rutschman? I like do you Adley, Adley Rutschman. Yeah. yeah, he's not. Can Sean you imagine Murphy. having a catcher? What I I, I keep if, talking. If you were to ask me, like, what position do the Red Sox need a superstar at? I would. I think catcher would be pretty far down my list. Get fucking Colin Wong up here. I don't care. Yeah, like, that, he uh, likes working with Nate Evaldi. That's that's a pretty ringing endorsement for me. Sure, I don't give a fuck. Like like Reese McGuire. Sure, he can, he can hit a little bit. He seems like a pretty like he stayed in the big leagues because of his defense. It wasn't anything to do with his offense. The fact that you're getting offense out of him is great. Like where the Red Sox could improve, I don't know. Everywhere, <laughs> I just like, I look at it and I'm I don't like, I star with catcher. I just need stability. And I think that would be good for the pitching staff as well. That's kind of like where I lean on a lot of that. But hey, if you can call a game, you can call a game. You'll get by. Um, It's just like you said, you need it's more than just one piece. You're going to need multiple pieces to get where you need to go. And that's where you look at the Red Sox and say, are you guys planning to spend this offseason? Because you're going to have to spend. You don't have a choice. And going into a year where you already went over the luxury tax once. You're either, are you planning to reset or you plan to push all the way over because you already did it one year? (sighs) Yeah. Baseball hour on Wednesday, Maz asked me, how do you fix it? And I said, oh boy. Like, that's how I started my statement. And he read into that. He was like, yeah. He's like, you don't even have to answer beyond that. Like, that's, that's already the right answer. Like, Holy shit to start that statement is you nailed it. Like it's it's not a one-off season fix. It's not a trade deadline fix. Like you're talking about like, you know. Listen, if you go about you can make them 
beyond competent with a good offseason. I don't think that's impossible, especially with the money you have coming off the books. It's just look around you. That's the biggest thing to me. Look at the Orioles, man. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're just getting better and better. You know what I mean? 2014 least champs for a reason. Exactly. You know, Gunnar Henderson, he's legit kicking the door down right now. Grayson Rodriguez, like, these guys are here. And, you know, they got, I think, six guys in the top 100. Like, there's nowhere to run. Adley Rutschman's there now. Um, they're only getting better. And you open the season against them next year. So that's a real fun place to start your season. Uh, you mm. got the Yankees, who are the Yankees. You got the Rays, who continue to pump out prospects again and again, and they've been injured this year. They don't even have Tyler Glass now, and like they're way better than you. The Blue Jays, this is their window. We know. What do the Red Sox have to do to even get on that plane again? Glasnow might be back at some point this year. Exactly. Maybe you know if he can start, or if it's a more of a relief role while he gets his fastball command back. Um, but like that's the kind of stuff you got to look at and say. All right, we can make ourselves a decent baseball team, but a decent baseball team, the AL East is going to get their dicks kicked in. You're not going to be 500 as a decent well, baseball team. That's why it's a great thing that the schedule is the way that it is because you don't play the AL East as much now. Like but, their record against non AL East teams this year must be awesome. It is. And a lot of those games came when they were healthy, and that's a big portion of it, of course, uh, when things were going well. But at the end of the day, those teams are going to go beat up on plenty of teams as well. You know what I mean? And continue to stack up, and you're going to have to be able to compete. Maybe maybe you find a way to sneak in the playoffs, which even that, like trying to picture them getting in the postseason is hard right now. When you see the other teams ra- rising, you know, the White Sox aren't going to be this bad next year. You know what I mean? They're a team that's going to get revamped and put back on track. The Mariners aren't going anywhere. Um, you know, the Rangers will probably get better with another offseason now that they've cleaned out their front office or at least John Daniels. Um, like it, it's not going to get easier on this road. And that's why if you're the Red Sox, you really need to do some massive things this offseason. And I don't think it's impossible. I think like the rotation's clearer than not clear, but th- there's, you know, you can kind of piece it together depending on how things go. If you really want to put Garrett Whitlock in there, you know, that's, it's one move you got to figure out in the bullpen, obviously. But if it's Whitlock and Bayo and, you know, you got Pavetta here, you know what I mean? Like, that's at least three. And then you start to figure out where to go from there. Is it Nate Evaldi back on a QO? Is it, you know, Chris Sales healthy? Like, you could have four guys in your rotation and picture it. It's just you got to make these decisions and you kind of got to lean into them and not walk this middle road of, Hey, Garrett, you know, we'll see what happens when you get to spring training and maybe you'll start and then we'll shift you back to the bullpen. And then three weeks into the season, we'll shift you back to starting and you'll get hurt. And then we'll lose a bunch of games because we can't finish any games off. And then we'll move you to the bullpen. But at that point, is it really worth it? Because, you know, we've already dug a hole that's almost impossible to climb out of. But it, it it's hard. I understand right now to not fall and think everything's horrendous, of course. but. With the right moves, you have the ability this offseason to get there. It's just, are you willing to put, you know, your money where your mouth is? Are you willing to make the right moves? And there's no hiding anymore because Heim, the goodwill and the stuff he built up in 2021, great. You know, that was there. 2022, you broke a lot of that down. So if you can't put it together, Almost this all of it, yeah, Almost good, all a, of a very good portion of it. If you can't build that back up this offseason, it's over. This team will tank and it'll be you think this is bad right now. It could be like this for an entire year. And then you're doing that in maybe Raphael Devers walk here. You think he's going to want to resign with that team? No. Nope. 
No, no, I don't. Also, um, like, I think that the the honeymoon is very much over in regards to like the excitement of like Heim coming over. And it was like this guy, like he fleeced teams. Like everyone was referencing like the Tyler Glass now trade and Austin Meadows. Um, and then I think coming in, I think he got a at the time a pass with the Mookie Betts trade because everyone knew like, hey, like you're basically under direct orders to make this happen. And I was on Toronto radio today and they were asking me about that. And I was like, yeah, I think, you know, smart baseball fan or Red Sox fans know that in order to get under the luxury tax, which was the goal, they had to trade Mookie and attach David Price's contract or at least half of it to, to get under. I think what fans are upset about now, and I think it's completely valid what they have a right to be upset about is the return. Like, I think, you know, uh, Verdugo, love him, but like, I, I think, you know, if you, if you stick a lie detector test on Haim, would you like to have that trade back? I think he would say yes. Like, do you think you could do better if you had a second chance at that? Probably. And like, I, I don't even, I feel bad that Verdugo gets a lot of it. Listen, he's, him and Andrew Benintendi. It's not even. It's not even really Verdugo. It's no, like it's the it's two Jeter prospects. Downs. It's Jeter Downs and like Connor Wong. It's like all right, yeah, he'll he'll be like a backup catcher at the big leagues. But like Jeter Downs feels like a dud, and Verdugo is like a nice player. Like he's a complimentary player to have. But like you know, you look at some of these other trade packages that have that have happened for superstar players, and I know that you know Juan Soto is not the perfect comparison because he had two and a half years of control, and and Mookie just had the the one. Um, but then it turned into 13 years of control. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think in terms of this upcoming offseason, which is the main point of this conversation, is you've got you've to fucking ace it. Like, there's no like, yeah, the Red Sox had a nice little offseason. No. You've got to walk away from that offseason and be like, the fucking Red Sox, they had enough of what happened last year and they're pretty hell-bent on that not happening again or anything close to that. Like, that needs to be the narrative on opening day. It's like, hey, the Red Sox, they had enough of that shit. So, they went out and they made the necessary moves that they had to to compete now. But that's exactly it. You need to. And listen, the team that wins the offseason usually isn't the team that wins it. But you want to be in that conversation where everyone's tipping your cap and like, all right, yeah, like the Red Sox are serious. They realize the situation they're in in the AL East. Um, And and that's what you kind of have to hope to build on it's just like when it comes to Heim Bloom and everything this year and I think this is where the James Paxson thing plays in I got a lot of shit for criticizing Heim about that today and I think it's really the biggest issue a lot of us have right now is yeah a lot of moves you can explain them in a vacuum right you can be like all right James Paxson I didn't have a problem with that move uh you know you're bringing in a guy you should you're the Red Sox be like the Dodgers in Bring in, you know, injured pitchers and have them rehab for a majority of the year and then get them on a team friendly contract for the couple of years. That's what smart baseball teams do. Um, but when you look at it this year and you realize, all right, well, you had holes in right field, first base in the bullpen that really decided your season. You went over the luxury tax still. Um you know, you didn't fill those pieces. You only want a couple million over the luxury tax, like five to seven million. Uh, so you really didn't take advantage of it. You just burnt that clock. Um, and then you get all the way to the trade deadline. And that's one of the reasons you can't get back underneath. 
it's, you know, the entire puzzle has to make sense here. And that's the biggest problem with this year. That puzzle doesn't make sense. And that's why going into this upcoming season, it's no more just sitting and, you know, throwing something at that, throwing darts at the wall. It's something you like and you got to hope. You need a plan. You need a plan from day one. You need to say, hey, if we're going to pay Xander Bogarts, we're going to pay Xander Bogarts fast. This is the first thing we're getting done. Nate Evaldi, we want him here. Take your QO. We want you back. You know what I mean? Figure out Devers. You need to figure out all this stuff out in front of you. And I think you look back at like, there's plenty of moves you can give credit to Haim on and say, you know, nice move there. There's plenty bad ones as well. You know, even I think one of the ones that doesn't get talked about enough is the whole uh, Jeffrey Springs trade with the Rays. You know, you moved off Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs has become a, you know, a decent starter. Um, imagine having an arm like that here right now. You know, you can quote Nick. I Pavetta's. think we're going to see him this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Like it's there's plenty of moves to look at here. And even the biggest time guys got to say, is there a talent evaluation failure going on? Because the guy you did move, Jeffrey Springs, became, you know, a decent starting pitcher um, this year. The guys you bet on Matt Barnes wasn't right. Bobby Delbeck wasn't right. JBJ, who you gave basically, you know, a good amount of at bats in the outfield, wasn't right. Like, eventually, these things come with a penalty where, you know, you're just simply swinging and missing on your evaluations of different players. Even, I love Trevor Story. I do. I think he's going to be a good player here. That's a swing and a miss right now. You know, he, he has not been the player he was supposed to be here. Um, <clears throat> just based off of what you just said, uh, last year, Hunter Renfro had an 816 OPS with the Boston Red Sox. Do you want to guess what his OPS is this year? It's higher. Um, I'm going to go 870. It is 816. Wow. The OPS, mm-hmm. or the OPS plus is considerably higher though, right? Yeah, 127 to 114. Yeah. So like there you go. 13% better hitter. And he's been that guy and he's been better defensively. Like he has great defensive metrics out there this year. It's a Which bad is interesting because that was the big that was the big knock on him last year was like he had a cannon, but it's like all right, yeah, he, he was just like showing it off a lot. And, and that was the problem. I just once again, it's no problem dealing Hunter Renfro. I don't think anyone sat there when Hunter Renfro got dealt and was upset. It's what you got back. You got a I guy. Think a lot of people were upset. I, I don't know. I, I looked at it and I think there were a lot of people going into that offseason. I felt like because of that defense, like you said, Jared, people were turned off to Hunter Renfro in the playoff struggles a little bit as well. People were like, you know what, like capitalize on his value and let's see where it takes us. Sure. The prospects you got haven't clicked. Alex Benellis isn't, you know, almost the 30th prospect in the organization on Sox prospects and he can't hit velocity at double A. David Hamilton, I don't even think he has a 700 OPS. Hey, like it's great that he steals fifty bags. Congrats! You can't give on fucking base. Shout out Billy Hamilton. You're a poor man's Billy Hamilton. Like mm-hmm. nobody needs that. Maybe you're a utility player. Maybe. Um, like that's where it is, and it's just why didn't you do anything after that? And that's where it goes back to the luxury tax and not doing enough um, to push yourself through. It's like, all right, well now there's no more room for that. There's no more not doing enough or leaving things open. You've left you know issues open multiple years in a row, and it's bit you. It's bit you multiple times, and they're. This year, why it hurts is they were clear issues. They were very clear issues that you ignored even when you could have made a move. It's just none of it adds up. If anyone can make sense of it, even the iBloomin or the Bluminati who tweet me and everything, guys that, you know, looked at me and were like, oh, you know, Milliken's one of us. I sit there and I question certain things they're doing and they don't have answers. 
Like there are people sitting there about the James Paxson thing today. I'm like, yeah, the move in a vacuum makes sense. But tell me how you can justify it when it's one of the reasons you're over the luxury tax and you have holes on your roster. You can't act like that team if you're not going to spend like those teams. You can't act like the Dodgers and hand out. All right, if you couldn't spend any more money, then that $6 million should not have gone to James Paxson. That $6 million should have been used on insert reliever, insert right fielder, insert first baseman. You can't have it both ways. You can't. You can make smart, you know, crafty moves like the Adam Adovino trade like you did the previous year. You had to stay under the luxury tax. You hit your limit. There was no excuse this year. There's no excuses anymore this year. And what's scary is, and I know I keep seeing you float the Aaron Judge thing. Um, Does this panic? Do they sit here and say, we need to do Pablo and Hanley? We need to go sign two guys and get fans excited because they hate the Red Sox right now. Is that what you follow down? And if they do, Bloom will be fired within a year or two. That's just the reality of it. And I like Heim. I really do. Listen, and I'll, I'll be the first one to put it out there. He's had one great year and one awful year. You, you're yeah. right in that C, C minus area. Make or break. It's make or break for you. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't disagree. I think one of the things that I was going to say earlier and that I forgot um, how the end of the year press conference, like when Dave Dabrowski would do those and Ben Charrington and, and Theo Epstein. Can you recall? If 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 Heim did one last year, I don't remember that at all. I thought he did. I th- I thought he had a meeting with the media, just like a last roundup. But maybe he didn't. Um, that is something I was thinking about a little bit as well. I saw Brian Cashman meet with the media the other day, and I was like, feels like it's been a little bit since I seen Heim in that kind of situation where you're just kind of having that conversation. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't beat him up because like he'll go and do a podcast. He'll go and have those conversations, which he did, you know, after and before the deadline. He did, uh, you know, inside the monster while the questions weren't, you know, is tight as I, I would have. They were softballs. Say it, Tyler. Yeah, they, they were softballs. Softball you were throwing fucking 55 down the pipe. Like, you know, <laughs> please, please check them. Like, not check them. Like if Bloom was here, like, all right, like talk to me do about the luxury tax. I love you here. I'll get him. But like, ask ask the legit questions. Like, I want to know why you didn't. Why did you go over the luxury tax, but you half asked it? Like, what was the idea? Did you just get caught in between? You didn't know what to do? Like, what is the explanation for some of these things? Uh, Because they just, they don't add up. Things don't add up right now. And that's a fireable thing for me. When, When you can't make sense of something, if you can make sense and say it failed, that's one thing. You can't make sense of a team that had one foot in the door and one foot out the door. Yeah. To be to be fair, I didn't listen to that interview, so I don't know if they were softballs. I just figured that they were because of Steve. It listen, shout so out like, to well, Steve. So do you like do you like Jurassic Park? Yeah, like, what was I your favorite even, Jurassic Park movie? Honey? Spare me on the Breaking Bad talk. Like I am not here for that. I'm I'm here to hear the Can baseball. You asked him a question about Breaking Bad? They did they did a good amount of Breaking Bad talk. Oh my hey, listen, God. All right. Steve well, and Joey, hey. good guys. I, I don't know Steve I love Joey, Joey. I talked to. Um I love Joey. But you know what I mean? Like, there's real serious questions that I Heim needs to have come his way. And I want to hear those responses. I don't want any of the layup or, you know, let me you talk what. in circles and what, we get out of it. Next time, next time Coley's available to come on this podcast, I'll, I'll see if, if Heim is willing to come on. I'd love it. Uh, yeah, he's, he is particular about when he wants to do it. Um, 
But I mean, he's down. And I said too, I was like, if we, we talked to Haim about doing an interview in his office with Coley. So maybe we can do that. Maybe we can, like the next time that we talk to Haim, we'll have Jake set up some, some two shot camera angles and we'll, we'll, the three, I can, I can get you in there, Tyler. I'm going off the top of my head here, but you guys had the Haim interview after the deadline last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember because I was tweeting out like the quotes from the, you know, a couple of the quotes from the podcast or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Like that's the, you know, the kind of pressing like that, that this time right now where it's like you're in this no man's land. Explain your thought process. Explain I think, where I you're think going. When the first time we ever had him on, the first question I asked him was like, why the, why did you trade Mookie Betts? Yeah. But like that, that's it. It's the straightforwardness of just like, you know, you get into media and you see these different things and people don't want to step on to- toes. People don't want to break their connections, whatever it may be. There's a way to ask these questions and do it the right way. It just feels like there hasn't been a lot of that lately towards Heim Bloom. Yeah. And I think, I think like the whole thing with my relationship with Heim is that like he knows that I have a job to do and he knows that we want the same thing. Like, yes, I'm in the media, but like, I'm a Red Sox fan. Like I want the Red Sox to succeed. And most of the people that are asking him questions on, on an everyday media scrum, they don't give a fuck if the Red Sox win or not. They care about the next best quote and they care about selling newspapers. Like that's not me. So I think he knows that if I ask him a question that may catch him off guard, it's coming. It's not to get a quote. It's like, cause like, Hey, like these are the questions that people actually want answered. So you can pivot and you can, if you, if you want to give a non-answer that's on you, but like, you know that I have to ask that question. And he gets that. And like there, there's no there's no like disrespect there. Like when I'm like, why why the fuck did you trade Mookie Betts? Like he knows that everyone wants to know why. Like, why did that happen? And like that gives him a chance to answer as Heim, like a professional, but he knows that I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that question in like a a non-confrontational way. I'm not gonna be like, so Heim, like, you know, the Mookie Betts trade, did you really like what was what was the thought process that like it's just he That's gets it. it. Like the thought, those kind of the, the thought process. It's like, no, just deliver the angle. I want to, yeah. I want to hear the angle. You didn't agree with it. You don't think it makes sense. Explain to me why it makes sense to you. Yeah. So first question, what happened at the trade deadline where the Red Sox thought it would be a good idea to move forward as a last place team over the luxury tax? What, what was that all about? And, and he'll answer. It's not like he, like he knows. He's smart enough to know what critiques there are of his decision making. And I think he knows what questions are being asked about his decision making. So it's not like, like say hypothetically, he's sitting right here now. And the first question was, why, why didn't you make moves to get under the luxury tax of the traded line? He probably already has an answer in his head. Like if he were to be asked like... Not, not, not the best comparison, but like Garrett Cole being a fucking idiot going into that press conference, not having an answer prepared for did you ever use spider tack? You fucking idiot. Like, it's not about like, hey, we expected you to tell the truth and say, yes, I did it. The fact that you didn't have an answer thought out in advance, in advance uh, is, is crazy to me. He, that's why he looks like a fucking idiot. It's not because he did it. I mean, a bunch of pitchers were using it. Like, it's not like, oh, you're a cheater. We caught you. It's like, you, you're so fucking stupid and narcissistic that you didn't think anyone would check you or ask that question point blank. So, yeah, like if, if we had Heim here, 
I'm pretty sure he would. I mean, like obviously, like with Steve, like he's going to ask softball questions because, I mean, he's not going to ask those types of questions. But there's a way to do it um, where you're not coming off as like a douchebag. That's like, it. And like you know, there's people who there, like you said, there's douchey ways you could go about it. But it's just like. Like I there's thought, a way to ask it so that you don't sound like you know better than him. That's it. And like, listen, we all sit here. We don't work in a front office. Jared, you might be soon. Um, but I got to we'll continue. I, I did see that. Ten um, years ago. <laughs> um, ten but, years ago. Actually, that would have been fucking great because it was the Orioles front office. God, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And now when you might Dan be working in the, there. And now you might be working in the Angels front office. Um, well, we're going to own a team. Yes. Um, but that that's the thing. There's a way to go about it the right way. And I just feel like there's been certain things, whether it's the talk coming out of the front office and those levels as well. I feel like Heim needs to show his hand a little bit. He just let people understand what direction you're going, because even someone like me who is a Heim Bloom guy, I suck time off as much as anyone last year. I, like I own it. Um, and I think I've held him to the fire this year as well, as much as people want to say I don't. I don't understand where you're going. And if I don't understand where you're going and I'm a Heimbloom nerd or whatever you want to call it, that's, uh, I don't know, feels like a weird spot to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. Um, I would like to think that even though it seems like to us simpletons that there's no plan this offseason, that has to be. the Red Sox Heimbloom, BOH, Raquel, Eddie, all those people. They probably started thinking about what they're going to do this offseason several weeks ago. And Especially I, once you know that the, the team is headed in the direction that they're in. Like, you know, you're not going to you're not going to say those things publicly like, hey, we're we're already thinking about next year. What the fuck we're going to do to fix this? But you wouldn't be doing your job if you weren't having those conversations a long time ago exactly and and that's why like i don't know i was very curious to hear xander bogart's quite or at the uh telethon two days ago kind of just talking and everything through and i was i was hoping to get you know something out of him that showed that the red Sox maybe revealed their hand to him a little bit you know what i mean um and it didn't feel that way it, you know he said what anything could happen that was really the quote uh once free agency starts right here here we go yeah. You were being asked about this coming off season before this season even began. Yeah. Now you're 39 games away from it. Is it difficult to block it out? You, you 10 years at the major league level, you know how to compartmentalize things. Yeah. But you've never been you've never been going into a September where the future's uncertain. Yeah, I mean I've never I've never dealt with that. Uh but I guess for the for the most part of the season I've been pretty good at kind of handling that that aspect uh it's, it's obviously tough um I'm, i mean it's not something that you go through every day you know and as i said it's it's a pretty much a first time experience for me with that uh but i've managed it pretty well and uh, i even haven't think about like going into september with like maybe 39 more games and you don't know what's gonna happen i haven't even thought about one minute of that so far so far you get closer to it uh the team has said certainly they still want to talk to you after the season is that something that'll be in play when the season's over i mean when the season's over you know anything can happen you know uh at this point i'm, I'm really trying to trying to get healthy back and, and just finishing off the season strong i mean i know we're we're a, a few games out of a wild card race but i mean it's a lot of stuff that were impossible and it happened you know so uh it's it's, it's never there's always miracles you know what i mean <laughs> 
It's uh, there's always time. Not you know, this year. I know we're running out of time, but you never know. We can put a good stretch together and end the season really strong. Running out of time on this. Got about thirty seconds left. Uh, the fans. I uh, have been with you through this whole thing. Oh, yeah. I, I go on Twitter once or twice a night, and uh, you know everyone's saying "sign Bogarts, sign Bogarts." What's it meant to feel that from the fan base? I mean, since I've since I made my debut, you know, I've I've, I've had a lot of ups and downs, and but the fans have always pretty much sticked in my corner. You know, I mean, I've I've heard a few boos in the in the beginning of my my career, but uh, thankfully I haven't heard much uh, in in these last years. So uh, that means I'm doing something pretty good, and or at least making them happy. You know, with the the effort and and the play and stuff like that. So. Um, I'm really appreciative of all the, the love and support that they have shown me throughout the years. They weren't booze. Stephen Drew was on deck. Bogey, great to see you. And uh, it means the world to have your support. Like you said, those kids uh, yeah. spending a little time with you guys. All right. Um, he sounds <laughs> like all of us. He sounds like us. Yeah. Just unsure. Uh, anything. What are we saying? Anything could happen this offseason. Anything. <laughs> yeah. And, and, <clears throat> I, I, you know, I, I, the number one thing that sticks out to me there is that he said he, he hasn't even thought about it, which is, there's no Bullshit. way that that's true. Yeah. Of course you're thinking about it. Um, you know, you've, he's been in this organization since he was 16 years old and of course it's going to enter your mind. Like, are these my last few games here? Like uh, I, I've been here my whole life. Uh, I love you, Xander. I do. Um, at times this year, it's blood in. You can see it. And it, it, that's partially on him. That's partially on the front office. Uh, I think the last couple of weeks, it, it has been not great, uh, you know, between stirring the pot with the, you know, dysfunction between the clubhouse and the front office a little bit and the quotes about Heim um, to the kind of sulking over Christian Vasquez and a lot of that. And really, like, listen, those Boris stories that dropped early in the year is, you know, in April and May. Those things are happening behind the scenes. You know what I mean? You're playing the leverage game. You're trying to work with the Red Sox. It's clear it's been at the front of his mind. And I can't blame him for that. But it's just, once again, it's this entire year of, you know, you bring these problems on yourself. A lot of these issues are self-inflicted wounds. And I'm just sick of the Red Sox beating themselves. And that's what 2022 has been on and off the field. You beat yourself again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I got a solution for you, Tyler. Please steer me in the right direction. <clears throat> the leaders in hemp-based CBD and Delta 9 THC products, that would be CBDMD. These guys have everything you could possibly need to just straight up feel better. And I know that we all need to feel better during these trying times. And their latest breakthrough is Delta 9 THC. These sneaky innovators have found a way to get these Delta 9 THC products shipped directly to your door, Tyler. Do they really? Yep. And uh, some restrictions may apply because, of course, they do. So check your local laws before you purchase these. But I'm telling you right now, Tyler, it is the real deal. They've got gummies packed with 10 milligrams of THC, perfect for winding down after watching the Red Sox blow it in the fucking eighth in the ninth, and then in the 10th. And if 10 milligrams sounds a lot like uh, th- that could be too much for you, CBDMD has you covered with their microdose soft, uh, soft gels with just one milligram of THC. These little guys pack a punch that's perfect for all day support whenever and wherever you need it the most. And don't get all caught up in the technicalities because this is the same THC that you've come to know and love over the years. It's just extracted from hemp. Uh, it's 1.17 a.m. Tyler, what time do you have to wake up? I got to be up at 4.30. You got to be up at 4.30 for work. 
Uh, I'm probably going to pop one of these after we're done. I would recommend you do the same. If you don't have any, maybe I'll pass them off to you. Uh, but if you want to learn more about Delta 9 and everything else CBDMD has to offer, just head to CBDMD.com. Once again, that is CBDMD.com for more information, education, and the best damn gummies that you've ever had. You must be 21 years or older to purchase Delta 9, for the record. For the record. Um, okay. So, that was that. Uh, again, you- shout out to the... Uh, the uh, Jimmy Fund Telethon, they do great work. A lot of uh, long hours of those folks raising a lot of money for those kids. Um, I think it's like EEI does it mm-hmm. in, uh, in Nesson. They do it every year. And I think, you know, you see some of these players that uh, they play for the Red Sox. They go other markets and they're like, yeah, there's, there's nothing really like that anywhere else. So, um, yeah, the Jimmy Funds have been uh, a, a pretty big staple woven into the fabric of the Boston Red Sox for a, a long, long time. And they do amazing work. So um, donate if you can. I know that we didn't have a podcast during the telethon, but uh, you know, definitely donate if you can. Um, did you have a thought, Tyler, before I said that? Yeah. I just want to say like seeing the number one, the interviews they had on the broadcast, like, like most people, you know, I, I have cancer in my background and with family and different stuff like that. Um, so just to hear people have a platform to talk about those things, you know, as people know who have gone through it, this, you know, it doesn't just impact the person, it impacts everybody around them and the kind of stuff it puts on your head and all those different levels. And really just seeing the clips of, you know, number one, Jerry Remy going to the hospitals and, you know, from way back in the day up until, you know, somewhat recently before he passed, like, Emotional, very emotional seeing a lot of those things. And, um, you know, it makes you miss Remy. It makes you realize just, you know, how serious and how significant a lot of these different things are. And uh, Nesson and EEI both did great jobs continuing to put, you know, an emphasis on these issues. And I'm happy that it's a yearly tradition and it's something that, uh, you know, maybe people outside of here or outside of Boston don't really understand. But I think it's uh, one of the coolest things we really have to offer in the city. And that really brings people together and makes Boston you know, Boston strong. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, I told this story on uh, Baseball is Dead earlier today, but I don't know. Actually, what is that? Uh, I'm looking at the Alex Core press. Do we want to listen to Alex Core? When you trust me, number one, before we do play it, look at uh-huh. the beard. That's got to go, Alex. He, but that, what does that tell you? I. At this point, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, it, we sucked with it. So whatever. We suck. We suck now. So might as well rock the beard. Yeah. I mean, he did say he did say that uh, his lady, she likes it a lot. So it's like, you know what? If we're going to be in last place, I might as well uh, be getting it done at home. So that's, if the that's Red Sox, my fucking manager right there. Yeah. If the Red Sox aren't going to make you feel good at the end of the night, something has to. That's all it is. That's all it is. All right. Here's Alex score. I don't know that there's anything juicy in here, but I might as well take a lesson. We, we don't put them in play in certain situations, obviously, then, you know, we put them in play, they turn over play. That's a great play by, by Chapman. He didn't panic. You know, probably another third baseman will throw to the plate and just get one out. He, he saw, he knew it. You know, he, he anticipated, step on the back, got the little play. Uh, they made some pitches, but uh, we, we had met a third, less than two outs a lot. I think it was what? We went with 
Men's competition, what, two for 21 or something like that? Jesus. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's <really> better. <laughs> that, that's the bottom line. You know, you, you see the difference with them, right? You see George putting the ball in play. Uh, Jensen put the ball in play. Advanced, you know, they didn't hit the they didn't get a hit a, a single in the last inning. It was a ground ball to the shortstop, advanced the runner, put the one play with these strikes, great base, base running play, and they score. So, uh, I mean, not really. Just think, like, you know, we have to make a conscious effort using the whole field. You know, like, I do believe that's that's it. You know, we haven't done that. That's on us, right? We got to keep preaching that. We got to be better. Just Ugh. like I said early on, you know, today, it's not only here, it's everywhere. You know, like, like winning teams, they do that stuff. You see Vladdy going the other way. I mean, we're talking about lead hitters I mean, with two strikes. They're making a, a conscious effort using the whole field, and we're not doing it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how he does it. And I've said this to him. Like, I don't know how. After every loss, you go up there and you got to like, I got to do it after every series. You got to do it after every game and you don't even have time to like get a breather. It's like loss, get up there and talk about the fucking loss. Uh, Like how many times can you say we got to be better? And that's not like I'm not criticizing Alex. It's more just like that's what you have to say because what else can you say? Like when, when you have the media sitting there in front of you. And they're like Aaron Boone smashing his hand on the table. Like they're waiting for that. They're waiting for you to snap and be like, yeah, we fucking suck. Like, what do you want from us? Like they're waiting for that moment. But Alex is just, you know, they win a game. He's, he's, he's calm. He's smooth. They lose a game. It's like, we got to be better. Like, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what else are you going to say? Like, you can't be up there being like, yeah, man, this fucking season, huh? Man, we really suck. Uh, I can't, I cannot fucking believe that we had uh, a runner at third base, no outs, and we couldn't even put a ball in the air. We couldn't even put a ball in the air. Bases loaded the very next inning, nobody out, not even, a, it, nothing, nothing. Like, we suck. I hate watching this team. Like, he can't say that. Like, we could say that, but he's just got to be like, yeah, you know, you know, look at, look at what, uh, Look what the Blue Jays did. You know, they put the ball in play. They didn't even have a hit when they when they got the go-ahead run. They didn't even have a fucking hit. Like, what do you want from us? You know, they put the ball in play. We didn't. Do He's you, right. Do you sit there and you wish he had an Aaron Boone moment? Like Boone had a couple days ago where he smacks Not the now. table. I, I agree. At this point in the season, it would just be... It's long over. If there was a time to do it, it was not now. Um, but like you said, I think that's what makes Alex Core so special that when they were dominating in, you know, May in June, his presser sounds just about the same. Like, yeah. It re- doesn't really fluctuate They're one way or the other. playing good baseball right now. We're playing you know, good baseball. We got to keep it going. Exactly. There's things we can improve on, you know, always talking great baseball teams do this, you know, yada, yada, yada. After seeing him make it through the last two months last year, when, you know, they were collapsing and anything that could have gone wrong was going wrong. And he held just steady. Like that told me that's what Alex core is. And I think that's why so many players respect him in this game is that steadiness over 162 of it being a marathon. That's the you know perspective you need to make it through a full 162. Um, and that's why you know I see people coming out and crapping on Cora or thinking Bloom's going to fire Cora at the end of the year. I, I don't 
honestly, those thoughts haven't really crossed even my mind. Uh, I don't no, think. Why call- would you? Like, exactly. Like if you're Heim Bloom, like I'm not calling him a coward, but it would be a cowardly move to fire the manager when the reason, one of the main reasons why the team is where they're at is A, injuries and B, because of poor roster construction. That's it. Injury sunk and, and if you fire, if you fire the manager, which again, this is all hypothetical, it's not going to happen. They're not fi- like I don't think that he's even remotely on the hot seat. But if you fire the manager, well, guess what? Like that was that was the that was the shield that was in front of you because after he goes, you're next. Like it, it, there's no one left to blame after that. If you if if you bring in another manager and you still suck, which in, in, for all intents and purposes, they're probably going to next year. Uh, then people are going to be like, all right, well, it wasn't his fault. It's your fault. And now you're next. So, yeah. in the whole thing about people, the very, 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 for the amount of tweets that I get from Red Sox fans that are upset with the way that this season has gone, less than 1% of them have been like, Cora's got to go. Less than 1%. But for those people, I think if you're just a casual baseball fan and you just grew up watching baseball in the 90s and the early 2000s, when a baseball team sucks, everyone's like, well, they got to fire the manager. Like That's just what you're conditioned to believe. But if you're a smart baseball team, which I would hope and like to think the Red Sox are, uh, you look at the situation and you're like, hey, we kind of went all in with a bunch of guys that have injury histories. And guess what? They all got injured. So that's not on the manager. You you gave the war general a bunch of fucking plastic spoons from the the mall fucking cafeteria, and you're like, go into battle, sir. Go take out the front line. And guess what? He wasn't able to do it. Whose fault is that? Is it his? I don't think so. No, it's just not. And, and nobody's gonna have a perfect season. You know, there, you're gonna have nights where you didn't manage the bullpen maybe the way you had hoped, or you know what I mean. Something like that happens. It, it's just that's the life of a you know 162 game schedule. But at the end of the day, like you know, you shoot Alex Cora out of here. What do you even do? Or Rafael Devers at that point? Like this is the culture of your team. Uh, and I know some people want to say that Cora wasn't Heim Bloom's guy, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, people still running and clinging to that. I think we all look at Hein Bloom and Hein Bloom can recognize, you know, who's didn't, one of the best managers he, in the game. Everyone's like, didn't he want Sam Fold? He could have yeah. fucking hired him if he wanted to. He didn't. Exactly. Red Sox and he owners- still hasn't been hired as a manager since. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. And you can say what you want. There's a reason AJ Hinch got hired immediately. You know what I mean? There was a reason Alex Cora had other interviews lined up immediately. Everyone knows what Alex Cora is worth in baseball today. There's no one who's sitting here and people want to say, well, oh, he's only back because, you know, you know, the owners love him or whatever it may be. No, Alex Cora is one of the better managers in all baseball. And people clearly know that. Um, So I I think and that's why his options were picked up. I believe he's uh, through 2024 at the moment. He's not going anywhere. If you want to walk down that road and try to, you think Bloom's going to fire him? That's just not what's going to happen. I think the worst thing they could do is start shuffling those pieces because the reality is they need to. You think it's bad now? How fucking much worse would it be if you had a manager in here that couldn't handle a losing season? You'd be screwed. And and that's where you stand right now in terms of where the Red Sox are. They don't have time to take a step back. You need to take a significant step forward. Uh, And the only way you're doing that is with Oscor in the dugout. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think we all can agree that Freshly is uh, is the way to go as it pertains to your meals and Freshly's new lineup. 
of effortless in-season meals gives you more time to enjoy summer. Don't waste your time inside shopping and cooking. Take advantage of the good weather and Freshly's special summer sale. Now you can get $125 off across your first five orders. And with Freshly, you're not stuck with fast food chains or frozen dinners when you want a quick meal. Freshly provides delicious, effortless, balanced meals without having to sacrifice your summer moments. Other meal delivery options make you do all the work of prepping and cooking. Freshly comes ready to heat and eat in just three minutes or less. Designed by nutritionists, prepared by chefs, then delivered right to your door. Jake, how many times this week alone did you have Freshly for dinner? Um, I have it every single night. Every single night. And how long does it usually take you? Like right around three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. You know how crazy that is? Like convenience wise. It's like, oh, I I don't have time to go shopping to get all the ingredients to then come home and then cook. Like you're talking about what? Like a in total, a three hour process, maybe. Maybe. And if you want to pull up a and Uber Eats or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order this. And guess what? $50 later for one meal. And then you got to wait. And then maybe by the time it gets there, it's cold. Or they forgot something. And then you got to wait for them to bring it back. It's just, it's not convenient at all. That's why Freshly, it's three minutes. Three minutes. Get delicious, nutrient-packed prepared meals delivered straight to your door. No cooking required. Fresh, not frozen, and ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. Use the Freshly website or their app to find meals that fit your daily lifestyle with plans that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. Choose from over 50 nutritionist-designed entrees like their classic steak peppercorn, multi-serve sides like Masterful Mac and Cheese, or their new line of plant-based meals. Skip grocery shopping and dirty dishes. I forgot about that one. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every single week. New meals are added weekly, so you're never stuck eating the same thing over and over. Although I prefer that. Actually, I probably just get the same thing every time. Um, but if you're not like me and you're, you're, you want to branch out, you're, you're more than welcome to do that with their new meals. Now, you can try Freshly with $125 off across your first five orders. Make summer dinners stress-free with Freshly. Right now, you can get $125 off your first five orders at Freshly.com slash Boston. That is Freshly.com slash Boston for $125 off. What a fucking deal that is. It's a great deal. Um, the Red Sox, Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. The Red Sox are playing the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. By the way, shout out to Connor who puts together the notes for the Stop and Shop Look Ahead um, because... Uh, Nick Pavetta is going against Corey Kluber in the finale. And we were talking about like, why does it seem like, why does it seem like uh, Nick Pavetta has been like so good, but then so bad, but then so good, but then so bad. And then he sent me a screenshot of uh, the baseball reference page. And in April, Nick Pavetta, 827 ERA. In May, 211. June, 225. July 9:38 and then in this month August 304. So I mean we're still in a good month. I expect September to be a fucking unmitigated disaster for Nick Pavetta. I hope it's not. I hope it's not, but he has been so hit or miss. Uh the Rays have not named a starter Friday night's game by the way on Apple TV. Ugh. If you're sitting at home and you're like where the fuck is the Red Sox game? It's because it's on Apple TV. 
let me just double check to make sure that the uh, rays have n- uh, okay who the fuck is JT Ch- Chargoy who the fuck is that Chargo <laughs> who the fuck yeah. is that Tyler yeah, he's a he's a I don't believe he's a true starter. Uh, he I'm has three sure. strikeouts this year. Who the fuck is that? He's been injured, right? I believe that was. Uh, How do you pronounce on? that? Chargo? Chargoy? I've never heard it out loud. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Yeah. JT Chargoy's. He's like uh, a version of a opener, basically. That, that's really what he is. If you count Jake, throughout his career. C-H-A-R-G-O-I-S. How do you pronounce that? Chargoy's. Yeah, that's Chargoy's. JT Chargoy's is fucking pitching for the Rays it'll be against the first, Michael Walker. Yeah, it'll be the first actual start of his big league career. Look at but, that. Look at that. Welcome to well, the show, JT Chargoy's. Well, he's been around. He's been around five years now, dating back to 2016. Welcome to Just, starting at the big league level, JT Chargoy. You're nailing it. <laughs> Michael Walker versus JT Chargoyza. And then Rich Hill versus Jeffrey Springs, the aforementioned Jeffrey Springs, and then Nick Pavetta versus Corey Kluber in the finale. Uh, apparently, all the information that we need on Chargoyza is, uh, he sounds like a fucking Pokemon, uh, is that this is his first big league start, and he has three strikeouts this year because apparently he's been hurt. Jeffrey Springs, former Red Sox. Jeffrey Springs, six and three for the Tampa Bay Rays. By the way, the Red Sox are two and eight against the Rays this year with a negative 19 run differential. I didn't realize it was that bad. Two and eight, that's bad. I mean, the Red Sox are bad, but like two and eight's bad. Pretty bad. Agree or disagree? Heavily agree. Okay. Jeffrey Springs, six and three with a 246 ERA, a 108 whip, and a 9.7 strikeouts per nine. It's pretty good. He threw 20 innings for the 2020 Boston Red Sox. What was that I, ERA? Uh, I don't know. You ready? What is it? 708. Pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, gun to my head, I could not tell you. I mean, I don't remember much from 2020, this, the baseball season, but I definitely don't remember him. Yeah, he was. I know the name. Like, I know that he was there, but like, I know that a lot of people were there. I don't remember. Like, yeah. He was one of the 8 million relievers they shuffled in and out that. Yeah. Somewhat interesting. Not really. Jeffrey Springs has turned out to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he left with the other, another non-interesting reliever, Chris Mazza. Yeah. He was a nice guy. Yeah, I think we still follow each other, Mazza. Good dude. Only made two career starts over four uh, the four previous seasons in the big leagues, and yet somehow has a 246 ERA um, in 17 this year. Uh, he has a 318 FIP, so it's not luck they were talking about here. Hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in a start since June 19th. Has not allowed a home run in August. Has only allowed four earned runs in 21 and two-thirds innings this month. He's a lefty that throws 92, but he gets people to chase. 96th percentile for chase rate. Um, And we know the Red Sox love to chase. They do. So that's not a good matchup for them. Uh, Springs fastball, it's it's a little slow, but everything else been pretty great for him this year in terms of in terms of pitch mix. He's already faced the Red Sox twice this year. Really, uh, six innings, five hits, three earned runs, four walks, seven strikeouts, and he gave up two homers. 
Uh, all five hits in three on runs came in his lone start against the Red Sox. Okay. All right. The Rays are 17 and eight when he pitches, 12 and five when he starts. Um, anyone have any damage? Bogarts, two for five with a homer. Trevor Story, that doesn't help. One for two with a homer. Devers, three for six with a double. Okay. Then we move on to Corey Kluber. Eight and seven this year with a 420 ERA, a 116 whip, and an eight strikeouts per nine. He has 128 and two-thirds innings this year. That's more than uh, his three previous seasons combined. He's got a 350 FIP, so he's been a little unlucky. We last, allowed... we last saw him in the Chris Sale uh, start, wasn't it? Didn't they go face-to-face in that one? That sounds right. Yeah, it was a Tuesday night. It was a Tuesday night in, in uh, July. Yep. Better times. Better times. Um, he's allowed a home run in five straight starts in six of his last seven. He has not pitched in the seventh inning at all this year, but he's completed at least five innings in 20 out of 24 starts. Uh, faced the Red Sox three times this year? Really? <laughs> Damn, man. Like, we're in it, and I already, like, don't remember this shit. Like, asking me about Jeffrey Springs in 2020, and, like, now I'm... Like Corey Kluber, I don't fucking I don't I don't remember facing Kluber. I was I, like I remember that sale start. The other two times, no. He's Lock two and one with a three eighteen ERA, a one eighteen WHIP, a seven point nine strikeouts per nine. He's given up one homer in seventeen innings against the Red Sox. Um, his fastball velocity is in the second percentile. It's eighty eight point eight, um, but he's in the ninety ninth percentile for walk rate and ninety fourth percentile for chase rate. Uh, the Rays are 13 and 11 when he pitches. Uh, I mean, none of the, like fucking Hosmer crushes him, but he's on the IL. JD's got two homers. Devers has a homer. And that's that. Um, all right. <laughs> Prediction time for Red Sox Rays. Fenway Park I, this I weekend. Do. I do have a small thing that needs to be considered here before uh, we dive into these predictions. Sure. The Rays have won six in a row. So they're due for a loss is what you're saying. You could phrase it that way. They're due for a loss. The Red Sox are due for a win. The Rays are due for a loss. Or a (laughs) nine-game winning streak. No, I don't think so. I hope you're right. I, I mean, was anyone else right about the Toronto Blue Jays series? No, you were right for once, but uh, mm-hmm. since you were right last time, I think that means you should go first again. Okay. Uh, I think the Red Sox lose two out of three. Tyler? I will also jump on the two out of three. There's no way they can, if they get swept back-to-back series. Would it surprise me? Not that much, but considering you were this close to you know, pulling off you know, two wins, even though you did lose them in heartbreaking fashion, you were right there. The only thing that would concern me is at least to start this next game, your bullpen's fucked. So I'm yeah. throwing out the first game. You got to hope you take one of the last two. They have to win a game at some point. So that's where I'm at. I think I think they win Friday and lose the next two. Really? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, Walk has been amazing. Yeah, I guess I just feel like he's due a little bit to get hit a little, not, you know, trashed around or anything, but he's yet to give up a run, what, 12 and two thirds since coming off the IL. I like Michael Waka. Do I think he's a 220 ERA pitcher? I do not. He is, unfortunately. Uh, the Red Sox, 
will win on Friday and then lose the next two. You heard it here first. Uh, Jake, what do we got for a prediction here? I'm just trying to think about like, I don't know whatever the number one Rays podcast is, but they're probably getting around to their stop and shop look ahead right around now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're definitely looking at, they're like, oh, we got the fucking Red Sox. That's an easy sweep. And like, I can't disagree with them at this point. I feel wow. like I can't just keep calling sweeps and watching this team. So I, I got the Rays in a sweep. The Rays are going to sweep. The Rays are going to sweep, Jake says. Nine in a row. Nine in a row. Nine wins in a row for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the Rays. I'll, can I be honest? Please. I'm rooting for the sweep. I want the Why best draft pick possible. You tweeted that out, what, two days ago? Yeah. We're officially on the clock. Hey, mm-hmm. lose every fucking game the rest of the way, please. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's the lottery, pick. right? Yeah, that's the other part that plays in with the new CBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we got a draft pick lottery. That's that's like the Red Sox could like have like the fucking worst record in Major League Baseball, and they would still have like the fucking 29th pick somehow. Please, please spare us. <sighs> okay. Um, a very optimistic, high energy enthusiastic sunshine and rainbows name redacted pod for everyone uh people are gonna look at this and be like how the fuck did they talk about this team for almost an hour and 45 minutes how after getting swept how did they do it but we always do that's what 162 guys do that's our so we gals. do we show up and we put in the work we're gonna like you said we're gonna grind we got what five-ish weeks left in this season we'll mm-hmm. be here every we'll series be here. All the 162 guys and girls out there, we'll be here for you. If you're here for us, we'll be here for you. Pat and Pete, they might go Betty buys. Pete was like, oh, I have to wake up early. I have to be up early tomorrow. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, actually, I was thinking I'd call uh, Pete when I wake up at 4.30. Yeah. Tyler's going sure, to take a nap. Yeah, I don't want to mess up his plans or anything, so I want to make sure he's up for the next day. Right. Yeah, he needs his little beauty rest. Yeah, I got I a long fucking day tomorrow. I got I to gotta wake up early and then once I'm out the door, I, I'm probably not walking back through the door until probably two o'clock in the morning tomorrow. A long Jake's going to stay up and edit this podcast. Jake's got to edit this fucking podcast after we're done. It is 1.43 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, I mean, that's, hey, I'm not calling out Pete. I'm not calling out Pat. But we're just, you know, we're just painting a picture here of some people are just more dedicated than it's, and it, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Being a 162 guy is clearly not for everybody. And Pete and Pat told you up front they're not 162 guys. Uh, the 162 guys on this show, they're here. They're here. So, <sighs> Jake's takes? I uh, just, the one positive that came out of tonight was the Heim interview that we do in his office. Like, once we started talking about that, I just pictured Tyler walking into his office and like taking a desk lamp off his desk and just smashing it against the wall <laughs> and being like, what the Thanks fuck for- <laughs> was this trade deadline? Like, I, yeah. I just thank feel you, like Heim. the content, the Tyler Heim content will be top tier. Uh, Heim, thank you for making me look like a fucking idiot for the past yeah. four months. Yeah. Are you, you going to tell have- him that you're the leader of the Bluminati when you're in there? You know, I, I don't know if I am the leader of the Bloom. I feel like the Bluminati has thrown me to the side a little bit. I am now considered one of the, you know, negative people uh, in this, you know, oh. market. I still own it. I still am a Heim Bloom guy. I still think he 
the good they're still good to come. Am I willing to call them out on everything as we just did for the last hour and 45 minutes? A hundred percent. But when we do do that interview, I will hold him to the fire and make sure that uh, we get the answers that are needed. Okay. All right. I'll uh, I'll get working on it. I'll put out if I see him tomorrow uh, at batting practice. I've I've seen him probably at the last couple Fridays batting practice that I've been down there. So um, just just tell him to hit me. It's been a while since he uh, responded to my text. Okay. I'll let him know. Let them know that you're looking for them. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put it on his radar. I'll be like, hey, we're looking to do this. And I, I have a feeling that it's going to be after the season. That's okay. I have, I have a, yeah, that's perfect. Because then we can put a, put a little bookend on this season and, and do that interview. And we can have uh, an interview in totality of, of what happened in 2022 with this, with this baseball team. So, all right. I'm going to ask him. You go to bed, Jake. Jake's going to edit. And I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to go upstairs and and take some CBD gummies and I'm going to go down with the ship. So uh, thank you for listening and uh, enjoy this wonderful weekend of Red Sox baseball at Fenway Park. If you're, if you're, at, the, if you're at the park, come say hi. I'll just be walking around aimlessly, just hoping to get hit by a fucking bus. <laughs> I'll be the guy that's just walking around Fenway area, Boylston Street with a blindfold on in the middle of the goddamn road. That'll be me. Come say hi. Uh, can't wait to meet everybody and we'll be back on Monday morning to talk about another fucking Red Sox series against an AL East team that they're definitely going to perform well in. Can't wait. We'll see ya. Buenas noches, amigos.